Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. How many of you know there's no other name under heaven whereby people can be saved? But in the name of Jesus, we can see the salvation of the Lord. You know, the psalmist said, when Zion travails, she brings forth her children. And when that's simply talking about us to see the power of new birth, something becoming new, there must be a travailing before the new birth. Some voice has to be lifted up to entrance the welcoming of the Lord. And today, I know we we prayed and we've sang praises, but I just want to pray in the name of Jesus and just travail in Jesus' name over you and your families that salvation is coming to your house. And I don't know what you need to be saved from, and I don't know exactly what you need to be saved to, but I do know this, the name of Jesus is very good at saving, and our Lord is still a miracle worker today. Uh, And so let's just lift up our voices and pray today. Father, we come before you and we thank you that we travail and we will bring forth our miracle. Father, I thank you that there is a healer in the house today. And for these people, he came to make a way. And Father, I just thank you that in Jesus' name right now, the power of your Holy Spirit is is meeting your people. Father, if they need a refreshing in their mind, I thank you they have it now in Jesus' name. If their physical body needs to be strengthened, I thank you they receive that strength now in Jesus' name. If their heart needs to be mended, I thank you that heart is mended now in Jesus' name. If their life needs to have repentance, I thank you repentance comes now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you if their life needs breakthrough, that breakthrough is happening now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you if they need wisdom, if they need guidance, that, Father, that wisdom and that guidance is there now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you if they need protection. That, Father, right now you lift up a standard against the enemy and no weapon that is formed against them will prosper in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are our shield, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into it and be saved. And so, Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. You are our strong tower, and we are saved from any and every attack that is coming against us, are coming against our family. We say you are remote, and you will not prosper any longer. You are functioning without your power, and the power of the Lord is sustaining us and helping us overcome in this season. Father, we thank you. The name of Jesus brings salvation today to your people. And Father, we thank you for boldness and utterance. Let lights come on while we teach and preach. And Father, at the end of this service, we'll be careful and we'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory because, Lord, you are the only one who is worthy of it. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated today. 
Uh, I want to say just how honored I am to have everyone here at our Lakeland campus today. And uh, the worship is not over. We're going to keep going at the end of this at all of our campuses and worship the Lord and take communion. But we're so glad that you came out today. And can all of us here at Lakeland give it up for everyone across town at Highland Colony? We're so thankful. To have you there, Uh, you've already had such great services, and we believe you're going to have another one today. And can both campuses, can we give it up, uh, all of our in-person campuses for everyone watching online, no matter where you're watching at around the world, we're thankful uh, that you could tune in today. I I have a simple message of freedom uh, and of hope uh, and of encouragement Uh, You know, one of the things that the Lord has been correcting me on here lately is that I have been unfaithful uh, in my communication, uh, and I needed to course correct to position you and your hearts uh, in a position of faith. Uh, But the Lord really dealt with me uh, at the beginning part of this year that at the tail end of this year, it would be a time of just supernatural release just released, uh, that, that people which sat in darkness would see a great light, uh, and that people who were wrestling with addictions and bondages and debts and physical pain and ailments, that it would just be a time of supernatural deliverance. Uh, how many of you know our God is still a God of miracles, and his miraculous power... It is available to us, and I'm so thankful for all the things we have in the natural that can help us physically, and I'm so thankful for all those tools and uh, the internet and things that can help us financially or help us mentally. I'm so very thankful for uh, helpers and psychiatrists and all of these things that can help us with natural procedures and processes. It's so good, and I'm so thankful for it. But I'm also thankful for a God who in a moment can do what should take a lifetime, that in a moment can turn around something with the hand of his miraculous power and release something. Uh, And I really believe that this is a a time and a season for release, uh, to see a miracle that just opens up your life, that like the woman we've been studying, the woman with an issue of blood that kept her confined to her house for years, in a moment was released and able to walk in her destiny and what God had for her. I'm believing for the same thing to happen, that you're released from hangups, you're released from addictions, you're released from bad habits, you're released from things that would hold you back, that you're no longer functioning in dysfunction, but you are released to be who God has called you to be. Uh, And I just proclaim it over you in the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to get in faith to see it, Uh, to see God just take your life and release it, to just open it up. And the title of this sermon series is I Need a Miracle, and we said we all do. Every one of us need a miracle. Our faith should not stand in good preaching. It should stand in the power of the living God, that I have seen God's goodness in the land of the living, that I'm not waiting for the sweet by and by to see the goodness of God, that in the land of the living, I have seen and I have tasted that God is good. Uh, And positioning us um, to get there. And we knew that this Sunday was communion, and the Lord just really dealt with my heart uh, about uh, this, this release. 
and to use communion as the framework upon which to build it upon. Uh, so communion actually came from another meal called Passover. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with your Old Testament, you know Passover was a meal uh, that they used to put themselves in remembrance of their great release. Uh, that years ago, uh, the Egyptians had overtaken the Israelites and enslaved them. Now, I, I, I know I'm about to communicate the story, but I want this to get in your heart, and I, I want this to get in your spirit, and to just for you to resonate with this and to maybe even identify yourself with the children of Israel because that's exactly what the New Testament asks you to do so that you can learn from them. But the children of Israel had came into a place of bondage where they weren't their own Lord. They were not in control of themselves, and they were not in control of their life. There was something there and somebody there that was limiting them. They had lost control. Uh, that the season of life that they were in had gained control and they did not belong to themselves. Instead, other things had ownership. Instead of them having things, things had them and were keeping them prisoner. And so oftentimes in life, we find our own selves bound. We find ourselves constricted that uh, there's a season of life that maybe it's just a funk and we get in a bad routine, and this bad routine is controlling us, and we know we should break out of it, and we know we should snap out of it, uh, and we know we should be okay, and we know that there are reasons to be happy, and we know all of these things, but it does not change the fact that something else is in control. Or sometimes things happen physically, and our physical body gets out of control, and there is now symptoms or something in my body uh, that is enslaving me, uh, that I am not in control of how often uh, I sneeze, or I'm not in control of how often I'm able to function in this body, that now this ailment or this condition has become Lord. And Lord, it is a spiritual word, but it's just a natural word. It means the one who has control. That something in my life makes me bow my knee to it. That, that, that this thing is actually in control of me. And some of you have gotten there maybe even financially, where, where financially something has taken control. It's controlling your thought life. All you think about is the pressure, and you're under so much pressure. And, and even when you're away from looking at the bank account, you're still mindful of it. Uh, or the credit card statement or whatever it is. And there is something there that is dominating your thought life. And it's miserable. The children of Israel found themselves uh, with a Lord who wasn't the Lord. And it had control over them for 400 years. And they were unable to break free from it. Uh, and they began to do a very wise thing. They began to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord heard their prayers and raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses comes in. He's a type and shadow of Christ. He comes in and he proclaims unto Pharaoh, it is time for God's people to be let go. In other words, it is time for their release. 
You have had control over them for too long. You will no longer be their master. You will no longer be their Lord. They will no longer be in prison to you or your way of living or your way of thinking. It is time for them to be free because the message of God is always freedom. Anything that does not set free is religion. It's an idea made of man, but God's will is always freedom. Uh, Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Satan brings constriction. God brings liberty. He brings openness. He brings release. Uh, It is God who instituted a year of jubilee where there would be a celebration of release, where people were released from debts and released from things that had them captive. God is a God of release. God is a God of freedom. How many of us can celebrate today a God that wants to set his people free? Man, this is big in me. No part of us being bound. Spirit, soul, body, mentally, physically, financially. No part of us being bound, but being able to operate in the freedom that can only come from the Lord. Well, Moses comes in and begins to preach this message to Pharaoh. It's time for God's people to be released. It is time for God's people to be let go. And hope came to the the, the ears of the children of Israel, and they began to see light at the end of the tunnel, and they began to see that they could be free. And Pharaoh relaxed his hand, and as soon as hope came in, he would squish it, and he would hold them back. And maybe some of you even started this year with this like idea that this would be the year of freedom and this would be the year where you break out and this would be the year where you have, uh, you know, mobility and can do what you want. And then something has come in and constricted you and held you back. Well, this happens uh, just one time after the next for the children of Israel. And finally, God told Moses, he said, I'm about to perform a work in Egypt. Uh, that when I do, the whole world's ears will tingle. (laughs) And I'm about to set my people free. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go find a spotless lamb, a lamb that is without blemish. And you have every single household take a spotless lamb without blemish. And in that household, you offer up that lamb as a sacrifice. Have it die in your stead. And take the blood of the lamb and put it upon the doorpost of your home. Take the flesh of the lamb. Let it be burned by fire and cook it. Roast it. And at the end of it, take each head of the household. Take the lamb that is roasted and hand it to each person in the household so that they can consume it. Because it's not enough for the lamb to die the lamb must be in you. So they take this lamb. He said, if you cannot afford a lamb, go to the household of someone who can. And you get in that household. And you take that blood and put it on the doorpost of your home and then allow that lamb to get in you. And that night, the children of Israel did this. They take the the blood of a lamb and apply it to the doorpost of their home. The heads of the household make sure, I love the symbolism here, make sure that each person in the household has consumed the lamb. And they, they make sure that they have. And this whole nation of Israel is waiting in this moment, and it's getting the dark of night, and death comes over the whole nation of Egypt. 
And when death comes over the whole nation of Egypt, it passes over those who have the lamb in them with the blood over the doorpost of the home. But death goes into the homes of those who have not had the lamb in them, and it kills the firstborn of each household. Now, this is awful. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. This is a terrible moment. It's also harvest. We, we oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament, uh, we see these moments where it's like, what is going on in the lives of this, and what does that teach us about God? But one of the things we have to understand is that Genesis tells us from the beginning that life is a collection of two seasons. It is seed time, it is harvest. Jesus came and clarified this, and he said, my dear brothers and sisters, do not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what they shall reap, whether it's mercy or judgment. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And when he reaps, he does not just reap what he sows, he reaps it good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Because when you sow an apple seed, you don't get an apple seed. You get an apple with more seeds. And we hear this term judgment, and I believe the world right now, literally, the whole world, I believe right now is in a judgment season. It's a harvest time. And somebody says, was well, it good or bad? Judgment is indifferent. Judgment is not a bad thing inherently. Some of you have been in court cases where judgment went for you, and you got happy. Uh, like you rejoiced uh, at the judgment. A judgment is indifferent. Judgment is a revelation of the seed that is sowed. That's all judgment is. Judgment, spiritually speaking, is a revelation of the seed that is sowed, that what was sowed inwardly was manifested outwardly. If it was an, the, the judgment of an apple seed is an apple. The judgment of an orange seed is an orange the judgment of a corn kernel is corn. That's the judgment of the seed. And the reason why the firstborn died in Egypt that night was not just because there was death in the camp. Do you remember how the story of Moses started? Why he was put in a river and sent down in the, the Nile? Why this happened? It was because Pharaoh passed a law that the firstborn of every single Jewish person would die by the sword. Pharaoh reaped his own harvest. And when this harvest came in into to Pharaoh's life, he came and says, too much to bear. And this lamb that was consumed by the nation of Israel, it set them free. I mean, Pharaoh comes and he says, you must go. You are set free. And it's in type and shadow of what happens for us. Now, since then, Jewish people all over the world celebrate this meal of Passover where they put themselves in remembrance of what that lamb did for them. But what that lamb did for them was more than just set them free from Pharaoh. It was more than just a physical type of release. It was also a spiritual release. Do you remember why God wanted his people free? He said, I want them free so that they are free to worship me. He said, I have brought you out of Egypt. The first thing he said was not the promised land. He said, I have brought you out of Egypt so that I may bring you to myself. And the very first thing God did was take them over into a place where God like sits on a mountain and begins to speak unto his people. And he says, you will all be a nation of priests. You will all be a people who presses into me. That I have set you free spiritually. It wasn't just a release physically. I'm setting you free spiritually so that you can encounter me. 
But God didn't just set them free spiritually. He began setting them free every other way. In fact, the book of Psalms tells us this in Psalms 105 and verse 37. He brought them forth also, the children of Israel, with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe that God began to release them even in their, their finances, that for years they were slaves. But God so moved so strongly on the hearts of the Egyptians that when they were leaving the camp, the Egyptians are taking off their rings and get, getting their possessions and giving them over unto the children of Israel. Uh, that God is gracing this moment where there is a transfer of wealth from one person to another and it is going towards the people of God and God is bringing them out, releasing them even financially with silver and gold. But not only was God releasing them financially, God was releasing their physical bodies from ailments. There was not one, the Bible says, feeble among their tribe. That apparently there was like a, a rush when they ate that lamb and the lamb got in them and the blood of that lamb was over their house. There was a rush of health and healing that strengthened bodies, that, that gave the bodies of the children of Israel, we're talking at least a million people, the bodies of these people became strong again, mobile again, not one weak or feeble among them. It was a divine release in every sense of the word. Now, for years, even when Jesus was on the earth, would celebrate this Passover meal, where they would remind themselves as the nation of Israel that that lamb did that for them. Now, the consumption of that lamb and the blood applied of that lamb over their house set their forefathers free. And they would have a meal called Passover where that was celebrated all the way up until Jesus Jesus tells his disciples, okay, tonight we're going to take Passover. Go get the elements. And they go get the, the room ready. You know the story. They, they get a little room and they get all the elements necessary for Passover. And they have the bread and they have the juice and it's set there. And Jesus walks in and he takes of the bread. And he says, now when you take this bread, do not remember that lamb all those years ago. He said, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he is without sin, he is spotless. From now on, when you break this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And he said, when you drink this juice, do not remember just the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of those homes. I want you to remember my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Because what that lamb did for your forefathers is what this lamb is going to do for you. That was not a better lamb. That was the natural lamb. I am a lamb for the whole world. And just like that lamb set your forefathers free, I came to set you free as well. And how many of you know Jesus did? That the salvation of heaven did not just come because Jesus shed his blood. It's not good enough for Jesus to shed his blood for the world. The lamb must be in you. His body was tried by fire. But when he came up from that grave, he came up so that he could come into you. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being and vice versa. That you are now in Christ. And Christ is now in you, which Paul said is the hope of glory. That when you get that, Christ is in you. But he didn't just get in you to take you to heaven. 
His goal is that his will is done in your life on earth just as his will is done in heaven. And Jesus came for total deliverance. This is my message today, total deliverance. (laughs) Total deliverance. Perfect shalom peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Total deliverance. That our families are whole because of Jesus. That our minds are whole because of Jesus. That our bodies are whole because of Jesus. When, when Jesus died, when he breathed his last, last breath, the first thing that the heavenly father did was rent the veil of the temple where the presence of God was kept. You remember in the Old Testament, only the priest could walk in into the holy of holies. And even then, he had to wash himself from being unspotted from the world. If one spot from the world got on him, he would die in the holy of holies. And God, when Jesus breathed his last breath and said, it is finished, the first work of God was to tear that veil because God had Jesus die so that he could bring you unto himself. That now it doesn't matter your sins, your mistakes, your transgressions, or your past. Jesus came so that you could be free to worship. That you can worship God with a sense of righteousness without any sense of guilt or inferiority because of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus came to set you free spiritually. Jesus also came to set you free physically. Watch this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, for Christ, he is our Passover lamb and he has been sacrificed. What does this mean? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 whose own self bore our sins on his own body on that cross so that we being dead to sin should live in righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Just as there was not one weak or feeble among the tribe of Israel, it is God's heart and his desire that among our tribe and among us that there is not one weak or feeble. That Jesus' substitutionary work was his body was broken, his stripes were laid on him so that we could be healed. That our physical bodies don't have to be dysfunctional, but through God's power and through his love for us, through a great substitution, that Christ's body could be broken so that my body does not have to be. That's the whole reason we break the wafer is to remind ourselves his substitution was mine. You ever had a substitute teacher in school? Uh, You know, you have a substitute teacher in school, it means the other teacher isn't there. Another one took its place. Uh, And out of that, he took our place. Should our bodies be broken? Yes, we abuse them. We don't get the sleep we need. We don't eat the foods we need. A lot of times you don't get the nutrients we need and then the earth is cursed and there's all these types of things that come up in our world and pollutions and all this other kind of stuff. But how many of you know Jesus is our great substitute and stripes were laid on his back so that I don't have to take this class. (laughs) That out of that, he took my place. And I'm not going to let that be null and void. I'm not going to hell. Jesus took my place so I could go to heaven. And I'm not going to be sick because Jesus took my place so that I could be healed by the stripes of Jesus. The Bible goes on even beyond that and says not only did he do this for you physically, but watch what he did for you financially. And, and this is not talking about spiritual things. You read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the whole two chapters are talking about money. And it says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? As a substitute that you through his poverty might be made rich. Now I'll be the first one to admit that so many people have taken this out of context. And there have been so many ministries and things that have, have valued the promised land more than the promise giver. And I will say that as soon as religion and Western religion turns Christ into just a tool for more upward mobility uh, and not a tool that takes us direct, directly to Christ and, and the Lord God, that we have missed the point. That we are delivered from Pharaoh's land so that God can first take him to himself. But I'll also say there's a segment of Christianity that's entirely misunderstood the message from the other way. That God is a father. And for my children, I most definitely do not want them selfish. I don't want them hoarding. I don't want my, my, my children like trying to wear something to get attention, to be full of pride and all those things. I, I don't want them to be selfish and self-absorbed. Oh, but I do want them blessed. I want the desires of their heart met. I want them to have the food that they need and also sometimes the food that they want. I want them to have the clothes that they need and I also want them a lot of the time to have the clothes that they want. I want them to have the possessions that they need, but I also want to have the, them to have the possessions that they want. And your father would come to us and Jesus says, are you a better father than God? I became poor. I left heaven and became poor. They took my coat. They put on me a crown of thorns. Did I do that for nothing? I became poor so that you, through my poverty, could have a divine supply. And that most definitely does not mean to be self-absorbed or to be constantly thinking about money or any of those types of things. But here's what it does mean. Financially, you're free to worship the Lord God and to give unto every good work. That you are not stressed out because you've got debt all around you, but the hand of your God has delivered you and brought you forth so that you walk in his provision. The Lord Jesus came to set you free, that you would be bound to no man, that you become the, the borrower and not the lender, above and not beneath. That you have one thing that owns you and, and owns what you have. A lot of people can't really be generous, and the reason why they can't be generous is they don't own anything. The bank does. It's not theirs to give away freely. If they gave it away, they're still paying for it. And God says, I came to set you free in every way. And I'm telling you, there's a grace you know of the grace. Grace is the quality of God that makes life easier. You know of the grace, and unfortunately today we don't. We're not operating in grace, and we're constantly limiting ourselves on what we can do in our own strength. And God says, aren't you tired of doing that? And everyone who's stressed out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to me, for my yoke is easy and my burden, it is light. So I've been meditating on all these things because here's what I see. I see, like the children of Israel, there's a lot of Christians who still aren't free. They still, they still and even in my area of life, there are areas of my life I want more free. And I, I've come to the Lord, and I've been talking to him a lot about it lately. Like, I want to see divine release like the power of you showing up so strongly in our lives that we see true healing 
that we see true miracles, like, like not something that is just like talked about in a back room that can't really be proved, that we have something that is a living, breathing miracle in our midst. And I was praying about this the other day, and the, the Lord really dealt with my heart, and he said just so clearly to me, he's like, you don't think you want miracles more than I do, do you? You're all God thinks about. He knows the, the number of hairs on your head. He's mad in love with you. And if he gave you Jesus, how much more freely, Paul said, would he not give you everything? It breaks his heart to see you stressed and, and broken and bound, dysfunctional in any way. He wants, he has a promised land prepared for you. It wasn't even your idea. A land that flows with milk and honey for you. But the way we, we get in it is the same way the children of Israel did, those who did. And two out of millions got in it. Joshua and Caleb. And you know why it happened for them? remembrance. Uh, I'll close with this. Um, in the book of Numbers, and I encourage you in your Bible to look at all these scriptures that we've showed you on the screens, but let's just take a moment to open up our Bibles and look at this together in the book of Numbers. And we'll look at Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 30. Numbers 13 and verse number 30. It's said in Caleb, uh, they're about to go in the promised land. And before they do, they send 12 spies out. And the 12 spies come back, one of which is Caleb. And Caleb says, it's still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, when you hear that and read that and see that, what, what do you see? What do you hear? For me, I see faith all over it. We are well able to overcome it. Uh, the story with the woman with the issue of blood has intrigued me the whole week because she is still in her issue. Her issue has not changed. She is still broke. She spent all that she had on physicians, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Still in her issue. But even in her issue, you see her excited. You see her at a place where in her mind she is seeing herself. Just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, knowing that just the hem is good enough to produce a miracle. And she sees it. She sees it before she sees it. In her mind, she sees the answer. Paul wrote something, and I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot he said, if you can give God praise for it, to think on things that are worthy of praise. Can I ask you, visitor, maybe this, you're here for the first time. Uh, can I ask you, member, are your thoughts worthy of praise? Are your thoughts about yourself lately, about your habits and hang-up, are they worthy of praise? Do you see yourself getting free? 
Do you see light at the end of the tunnel? For the woman with the issue of blood, I guarantee you, before she had her miracle, her thoughts saw the miracle and heaven is rejoicing because they know if she can see it, she can see it. If she can't see it, she can't see it. But if she can see it, she can see it. And her thoughts were worthy of praise. Here, Caleb is seeing walled cities and giants. But in his mind and his imaginations, he is seeing they will be bread for us. Those walls will come down. Those giants aren't too big for God. And heaven is rejoicing at his thoughts. Faith sees the answer. And I'm telling you, within you, because the Lamb is in you, if you're a Christ follower, within you is the very life and nature of God. There's so much wisdom in you. Christ has been made unto you wisdom. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. On the inside of you, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. On the inside of you, your spirit is willing. The very life and nature of God is within you. God said, I have anointed you with power and power from on high. It filled an upper room and tongues and flames of fire went above the heads of those who received the Holy Ghost and that is in you. You have a flame of fire in you. Your spirit is so creative. It's free. But your body, it is weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. All of our flesh is weak. We find ourselves eating what we know we shouldn't eat and then eating even more of it. We Netflix all night and then feel guilt about it in the next morning, wondering why we allowed that five-second countdown clock to get us again. The flesh is weak. The flesh is easily depressed, frustrated, tired, agitated, irritated. It's carnal. Out of it come wars envy, strifes. What do you do? You got a spirit that's willing and a flesh that's weak. What, what's the decider? Your mind. And if you can understand this, you get the whole thing. You get the free prize at the end. Everything has two creations. First, an inward one. Then, an outward one. Before this building ever existed, I sat down with an architect, and they said, what do, you want, what do you want in a building? And on the inside of me, I began to articulate what I wanted to see. This building was created, but you see the physical substance. Before this, it was a spiritual substance in me. There's no inv invention, no product that didn't first have an inward creation and then an outward one. And the inward imaginations of the children of Israel they were very dark. They saw the giants, but when they saw the giants, they saw them killing them. Like, and, and what I mean killing them is the giants killing them. They saw the wall cities and like, we don't have spears tall enough to break them down. We're hopeless. Naomi, when she looked at the future, she saw it awful. So she said, call me Mara because I can't see any joy in my future. What do you see? What do you see about your marriage? Are the thoughts about your marriage worthy of praise from heaven? Are the thoughts about how long you're going to live worthy of praise from heaven? Are the thoughts about what God's about to do in this season worthy of praise of heaven? Your thoughts about your body and how long you'll have to deal with that issue worthy of praise from heaven, that heaven stands up and says, look at her, she's in faith. She believes even in the middle of her issue, I'm about to break through. She sees it. She's going after it. For the children of Israel, they just couldn't get there, but Caleb couldn't. The Bible said he had a different spirit. And, and today, what, what I want 
is for you to just tear down those strongholds. The, the, the Bible talks about this. You can put up that scripture in Corinthians real quick. We don't walk in the flesh. Your, your issue is not just with your flesh. And we war not after the flesh. But watch this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God for the pulling down. Notice what they need to pull down. Strongholds. What are strongholds? It's a well-defended lie. It's truths that you perceive as truth that aren't true. It's imaginations, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A stronghold uh, will, will sit in a service and hear about God's a healer. And no matter what you're wrestling with, God can heal you. And a stronghold will come up and with an imagination and with a thought say, I don't know if God is big enough to do that. Do you know how many people have died from this very thing? Do you know how long the symptoms have to last? How bad they have to get? God is able to free you. God is able to, he could pay your debts right now. That God could so supernaturally move in your life that you didn't even have anything in your house but a little bit of oil. But you could keep pouring out that oil and pour out that oil and with the help of God, you pour it out long enough till it fills up every vessel and all of a sudden you have enough to pay your debts. That you hear the goodness of God and you hear the knowledge of God that God is able and God is big enough to have you fish all night and catch nothing on the job. And after one word from God, you catch the whole boat so much so that the nets are breaking and the ships are sinking. And a stronghold comes and says, well, I don't know for me. And, well, I don't really know if that could happen. And it's like, well, I've got this and I've got this, I've got this and strongholds. And the imagination can't see it. And if you can't see it, you'll never see it. The woman with the issue of blood saw herself whole before she was, and she got excited about it, and she got the praises of heaven. And I want to encourage you today that today we're going to take our thought life and we're going to bring it into the obedience of Christ and we are going to remind ourselves with this wafer that is broken and this blood that is shed that God didn't just come for a halfway deliverance, that God came for a complete deliverance. And we're going to make a decision to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And whether it's by his stripes, we're going to believe for healing. Or it's by his poverty, we're going to believe for supply. Or it's by his goodness that I come or someone else comes into a great intimate relationship with God, that God came to set his people free. And with that lamb, did for them in the Old Testament, our Lamb Jesus did for us in the New, and we are going to contend to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. That we're not just going to worship today, we're going to see a miracle. That we're not just going to pray today, we're going to believe to see the goodness of God. Today, I, I, I'm going to pray over our elements, and if you didn't get communion elements, no worries. Uh, while we're worshiping, just lift your hand, and ushers will bring them to you uh, right there, no matter where you are. If you're at home watching this, go get you a Triscuit uh, and like some Diet Coke or something and do it in faith. Uh, it's not about the elements. It's about the faith. It's not about religion. It's about the faith.
And when we take of this, this, this cracker, you don't just eat it. Don't just eat the cracker. Jesus said, break it. Why break it? Break it so that you see, so that you imagine that I was broken so that nothing in your life has to be. Begin to see whatever is broken, the good hand of God mending, that whatever is not working, the good hand of God restoring. Maybe this past season of COVID has taken something. Maybe it's taken health. Maybe it's taken a job. Maybe something was broken. A relationship was broken because of it. See that the season is changing and what the enemy broke, God is going to put back together better than it ever was. Break the wafer and remember Jesus. Remember that he's big enough. Then after you take the wafer and you break it in worship, then you take of the juice. And what you remind yourself then is that wafer is very dry, is very broken, but the goodness of God is making your mouth and your life sweet again. And see Jesus setting you free. That what can wash away the past? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But though my sins were red like scarlet because of his blood, it will pay my sin debts and wash me whiter than snow. Contend for the miraculous. Believe to see and picture in your minds when you drink it a new sweet beginning for you and your family. I'm going to pray for it, and then at all of our campuses, we will go into worship after the prayer. Father, we come before you today, and if you're comfortable with doing this, just lift up your hands if you desire to. Father, we come before you today, and we thank you. What is greater than any brokenness? It is the Lord Jesus. And Father, we just say over our families, and we say over our lives, that anything that is broken is being made whole by the power of your spirit. Father, right now, we see healing. Father, right now, we feel joy building because we know our God is surely going to turn it around. Father, right now, we grow strong in faith like Abraham did, giving glory unto God, that we walk not by what we see, we walk by the promises that you gave, and Father, we thank you right now, we see a miracle, we see divine restoration, we see anything that was broken of the enemy or past season be made whole by the power of your spirit, we see increase. We see release. Father, I thank you right now that this is a season of release, that the back half of this year is just filled with release, that addictions are being broken right now, that debts are being paid right now, that sin and its stronghold is being broken right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that where there was bitterness, sweetness comes in. Father, we proclaim wholeness and sweetness. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name.